that was one of my top 10 peepees ever. I mean, I can't really explain it. It was just so, whoa, hey! Oh, dude, are you all right? What is this? Pit trap, what do you think? I, I, I think my leg is broken. Did you hit the spikes? No, thank God. Oh. Why do you sound disappointed I didn't get impaled? I worked so hard on those, man. Do they seem sharp enough? Yeah, probably. How deep is this? Ten feet. Took me a couple months to dig it, but I've been taking the dirt out in my pants like Andy Dufresne in Shawshank Redemption. Great movie. Totally. You know that young kid that Andy teaches is the same guy that played Billy on Ally McBeal? No way! Yeah. So... Oh, do you want to get out? Yes! Oh, all right. H hang on a second. I found a belt. You don't have a rope? No, I could take the drawstring out of my shorts. Could you please just go buy some rope? Yeah, no problem. Now? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, man. I, I would, but, uh, Allie McBeal's on. It's on Hulu. Yeah, I know, every season. Isn't that great? Uh, I'm gonna go. Here, uh, this is a harmonica to play the theme song. Okay, wait. All the little holes on this are full of Oreo filling. <laughs> You're welcome. Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it. Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How to range? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kind of drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. Hello and welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content and scoring against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey, I'm Garen. And I'm Dan, and this week we have something very fiery to bring to your table. We've laced up our kicks and made characters inspired by NBA Jam. In case you aren't familiar with this game, what the heck is wrong with you? NBA Jam is the all-time best arcade and SNES and Sega Genesis game that ever existed. While there are plenty of excellent sports games that really capture the nuance of skill involved, NBA Jam opted for two-on-two, balls-to-the-wall madness with half-court dunks and shoving your opponents to the ground with brutal force. Do not forget Turbo and Big Head Mode. The artistry of this game is undeniable, and if you're still lost, perhaps these stupid backstories will help. I'll start. The all-time leader in blocks in the National Basketball Association, Hakeem Olajuwon, was an obvious pick for me this week to go up against your shrimpy Hawkeye. At an astounding 9 feet, 6 inches tall, Hakeem Olajuwon is possibly best known for kissing one of the antennas on the Sears Tower while standing on his tippy toes in 1994 while in Chicago at an away game against 
the best basketball team that ever was, the 1990s Chicago Bulls. In NBA Jam specifically, the team was paired with Kenny Smith, who is a sharpshooter from downtown, commentator on TBS. He is the ultimate wingman for Hakeem, who could just dunk on about anybody, but more importantly, block any shot coming his way, deeming even the most dangerous of threats from downtown or monstrous dunkers useless. Standing at nine feet, six inches tall, Dan brings to the lab this week, Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon! That's right, Hakeem Olajuwon is a level three bugbear, circle of dreams druid, level one barbarian, possessing the entertainer background. That's who I'm bringing into our matchup this week, 1v1 NBA Jam. We had very different approaches to the backstories. Very impressive, Hakeem. Uh, Circle of Dreams Druid, I did not expect, so I'm excited to see where that goes. Well, his name's Hakeem the Dream. Oh, I see. It was right there in front of me. Okay, here we go. Deep in the Feywild, Warren of Rabbit Folk are running. Their feet patter against the ground frantically, the adults carrying the young and pulling along the elderly, not daring to look back, but they can hear it all the same. The growl saturates the forest, low and malevolent. With the tunnels in view, the rabbit folk get a burst of speed, but it's too late. Claws and fangs burst from the trees and fall upon the creatures. In a matter of moments, the screams stop and the predators move on. Some of the larger adults that dared fight back clenched between the bloody jaws for an evening meal. As dusk approaches, the pile stirs and a small form peeks through the wreckage. His ears are short and eyes wide. The rabbit boy lets out a mournful cry that echoes into the trees and is soon answered by a bell. At least he thinks it's a bell. As the sound draws near, he sees a pair of pointed lights in the dark. In a handful of heartbeats, a pair of unicorns step into the moonlight and cast their sympathetic gaze down on the child. The mated pair of unicorns had no biological unichildren, so they took him as one of their own. While suffering horrific losses, the rabbit boy had by all accounts gotten off scot-free which may not have been the case if not for the waning sun in the sky providing shadow. So by this token, the unicorns named him Scott Skiles. Scott was an active boy, running and jumping in the woods with ethereal grace. He would often steal nuts from squirrel folk only to throw them back into the tree holes from up to 60 paces away, or attempt to return them by hand in a leaping motion, not unlike dipping a biscuit into some tea. His uniparents showered him with love and gave him their wholehearted blessing when they knew it was time for him to move on. For the first time since being saved, Scott left the magical glade on a mission to learn how to expand on his physical gifts. His journey took him southeast to a monastery where a sagely old man named Orlando had what he was looking for. Orlando taught him not only how to tap into his own potential, but to grow into the world of magic. Scott may have been great before, but things were never the same after he had joined Orlando's Magic. Standing at a respectable two foot four inches tall, Garen brings to the lab this week, Scott Allen Skiles Sr. So I present to you Scott Skiles. He is a rabbit folk, which is from Tiny Races by ERF Jordan on DM's Guild. And his background is Child of the Unicorn, which is from Backgrounds of Faerun by Brian Holmes. He is Monk Level 3, Way of the Elements, and Ranger Level 1. That's right, folks. This story and many more on this season of Garen Doesn't Watch Sports. I like the biscuit and tea simile. That was very athletic. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. I think I really set the stage for Scott Skiles. No, in all seriousness, great backstory. Very creative. And your backstories honestly just keep getting better. And one could say... He's heating up! Okay, okay. Could you just do the commercial? And soon you're going to be on fire! Like a candle. This episode is brought to you in part by Cantrip Candles, the purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures in games like D&D and Pathfinder. They have great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, such as peaceful sanctuaries or sketchy hideouts, or this week's spotlight, Library Scriptorium with notes of parchment, aged wood, and leather. It embodies the type of scholar that it would have taken to create such a masterpiece like NBA Jam. But to be honest, you can find a scent for all of your adventures in their sampler pack, which offer nine of their scents for a great low price. Once you decide that you want to buy every single one of their scents, we're happy to announce that you now can, and the lab will help cover some of those costs. When you use the code LABRAT, L-A-B-R-A-T, at checkout, you receive 10% off of your total purchase. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles, and if you don't know how to spell Cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Thank you, Dan and Cantrip Candles, for that message. Now, if you're just joining us, this is the part where I will explain our show format. We have nine categories that we prepared arguments for. In each, we will state why our character deserves a score between minus two and positive two. A positive two is like a slam dunk. Sweet D20 money. And a minus two is choking on your Gatorade. Xanathar, she blows. Finally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other to roll for the score in which we are arguing as a charisma save using the charisma score for our character. Then at the end, whoever has the most points win. Like basketball. Take it away. I'm arguing a minus one here. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon has a light hammer with a plus five to hit. Deals out 1d4 plus three bludgeoning, but it's really not for attacking. It's mainly used to firmly secure the nail in the coffin. <laughs> okay, minus one is appropriate because you have something. Scott Skiles is arguing a plus one. I got three strikes with my unarmed attack, plus five to hit, 1d4, plus three. And because I'm a ranger, I get a favorite enemy, and it's giants like Hakeem Olajuwon. I'm all about taking down the center as a sprightly point guard. Plus one. Razzle-dazzle. Sure, take your plus one. Take us into ranged. Well, first of all, I'm sinking threes all day. So true. Guys, if you haven't played NBA Jam as Scott Skiles on the Orlando Magic, the dude does not miss. No. Easily the best basketball player in the game. It's, it's insane. Whoever made NBA Jam... Really love Scott Skiles. Grandma's secret recipe. <laughs> if we want to get into real, real, real here, I have got a long bow with a plus five to hit, one d8 plus three, and I know I'm playing a tiny character wielding a long bow, which doesn't make any sense. And I know someone would love to call me out for that, but Scott Skiles can use a long bow. He's a rabbit. He holds his feet and his ears. It works. And I have got fangs of the fire snake for when I'm on fire, of course. So that is expending one key point, and it increases the reach of my unarmed strikes to 10 feet. So I think this is a pretty solid plus one in the range category, too. Kawabunghole! Boy, yeah. I was actually expecting a little bit more out of you in the range category. I'm pretty disappointed. What are so, you talking about? Yeah, because Scott Skiles got such great range in the game. So, yeah, roll for your plus one. For whom the dice rolls... We don't get a lot of rolls in range. Uh, Scott Skiles has got a plus two to his charisma. Which, guys, is more than his picture would tell you <laughs> in NBA Jam. He looks very dad-like. But the die was more honest because I rolled a three, so I will take that zero. Somebody call a cleric! Now, for ranged, I'm arguing a zero. We all know that Hakeem's sweet spot is in the key. Up close and personal, attack in the basket. He has a spear, though, with a plus five to hit, 1d6 plus three piercing damage. 
but he really just uses that in cases when you may need a bigger nail in the coffin. Again? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. After all, we've all played as the big guy in NBA Jam, and we've shot some frivolous shots from beyond the arc, and once in a while, they surprise you. Hakeem is no exception with his surprise attack as the first attack of each round deals out an additional 2d6. So I'm arguing to zero here. How does surprise attack apply into range? Because you're just adding that bonus damage? That's that bugbear trait. Yes, I'm, I'm only arguing for it in ranged. Okay. All right, you can have your zero in range then. Now moving into burninating. I'm arguing to zero here. What better spell for this category, this character, than produce flame? He's on fire! When he gets in that fiery state, you best not be stepping in the key. That's the house that Hakeem built. If you choose to be so foolish, the alarm's gonna sound, and you're gonna get burned by the flaming sphere, which deals out 2d6 fire damage. That's two spells, fourth level. Nice round zero. Yeah, that is a solid zero. I got no problem with that. We had the exact same plan here. Now, first of all, I know we keep talking about like, oh, you always play the big guys. Everyone understands this. Half the people I've talked about about this episode don't know what NBA Jam is. So, you know, maybe you should just get educated. What circles you've been hanging out in? I live in the circle of dreams, baby. <laughs> I only hang out with video game losers. So I've got the Fangs of the Fire Snake, as I mentioned, which makes all of my attacks fire damage. And I can spend an additional key point to increase that damage by 1d10. So I'm also arguing a zero. We seem pretty even in this category, so I'm not going to splice hairs. So oh, why don't you move us in? Because I'm a rabbit. I can take dash as a bonus action because of the rabbit feature. This is pretty much one of the things that locked in this build for me. ERF Jordan created special rules for tiny creatures jumping because their bodies can't take them their full strength score. So I think you have to have your strength score and that's the amount of feet you can do. But rabbit folk don't abide by that. So that means this tiny little creature can jump eight feet vertically and horizontally. Got the dash of the bonus action and I have advantage against being frightened. So I'm arguing a zero here. I'm not gonna argue with you as a tiny little man being able to get an eight-foot vertical, very impressive. And actually, in the game, Scott Skiles can probably jump about eight feet because I've seen him do some razzle-dazzle. Razzle-dazzle. He is in and out all over the place. So here, I'm arguing a plus two. I have control flames because I want to extinguish your hot streak and make sure that you can't buy a bucket. Also have a 10-foot reach as a bugbear. Got them really long, freakish arms. I can also carry the equivalent of a large creature because I'm a beast on the court. And, of course, I cheated extensively by getting two magic items because no basketball player this good does not have them. I have boots of striding and springing, which allows me to jump three times the normal distance, which, in Hakeem's case, would just be vertically. He's able to jump 51 feet in the air, which is, I think, reasonable. It might be a little short for NBA Jam standards. <laughs> is it the shoes? Also, I have Gem of Brightness, which if all of these other factors don't work to get you to brick a shot against Akeem, I have this little ditty that will blind you on a failed DC 15 constitution save for a full minute, and it'll really cool you down. Now, I can do that a mere 50 times per game, <laughs> which seems fairly balanced. And I also took Entangle because I don't know if you've noticed, but for whatever reason, both Hakeem and his opponents fall down a lot when he tries to steal <laughs> the ball in the game. He falls down a lot. This seemed pretty fitting. And last thing I'll touch on, he does have Skyrite, which, you know, fun little note, he can use just standing flat-footed with a stick of lipstick. He just draws on the sky like it's a dry erase board that's beautiful like truman show just writing right on the ceiling good enough for a plus two 
I love that. That was a stupid, stupid list. So roll for it. Hakeem? Not very charismatic. I think it's the language barrier, but he's very friendly. Just not, not you know, maybe not very, he doesn't understand the nuance. So uh, he's got a 10 in charisma, no modifier. Let's do this. Okay, and that's not going to do it. I rolled a four, so. All right, so how tanky is Hakeem? I'm going to go pretty tanky. Not as tanky as you'd think. I'm going to zero here. 40 HP, AC of 12, but I did cheat yet again. And I took Smoldering Leather Armor, which is a magic item that has harmless smoke emitting from it at all times. Now, mind you, this serves absolutely no purpose, nor is it more powerful than regular leather armor. But it does show that he's always heating up. That is out of Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and that's that's a brilliant choice. He can also shapeshift twice per long rest. But when you're this good in your natural form, you probably just don't. All right, but that AC was a 12? Yeah, Smoldering Leather Armor. Yeah, not great. And what do you want for this? Zero. Yeah, you can have a zero. I'm actually going to argue a plus one win compared to your zero here because I have an AC of 15. I've got 30 hit points, which is a little low because my con's not that great. But I do have patient defense as a monk. That's what you got? Everything? That's all of it? That's my list. Plus one. All right. Yeah, you're better than me. I would be foolish of me to argue this. I am better than you. All right. So before we take it to ally assist, it's time for the halftime show. Hey listeners, it's your boy Garen here, and if you're one of our cheerleaders, then the best way to show your team spirit is to write a review. iTunes makes it super easy to just swipe up to five stars even without writing any comments, and those ratings boost us higher in the search results when someone is looking for a big dumb D&D show to try out. And while pretty much everybody uses a different app to listen to their shows, I'm a Stitcher guy, if you can find a way back to iTunes, it would mean the world to us. Then grab your friend's phone and do the same thing, especially if they don't listen to our show, because chances are they will never hear this message. So thank you guys, and now it is time to talk about Scott Skiles when it comes to ally assist. So I have got cobbler's tools, which are very important when we need to repair your fancy spring and shoes, right? Because it's all about the shoes. Scott Skiles also has 3,881 assists in his NBA career, so I think this deserves a zero at least. All-time leader in assists, isn't that right? I believe so. Yeah, we have two Hall of Famers here, so yeah, I mean, you threw in the statistic. It's hard to argue that he's not a plus one in ally assist. That's right. I said plus one. Give me that plus one. Okay, you get your plus one. I'm also arguing a plus one. Absolutely great teammate. His smothering defense allows Kenny the Jet Smith to do exactly what he does best, which in 5e, I guess they call it the enhance ability spell. I just call it Hakeem the Dream. (laughs) Balm of the Summer Court allows him to pick Kenny up while he's down and give him that extra oomph that he needs to finish the game, much like Gatorade does, who is our official sponsor of this episode Right, Garen? Did, did that go through? Did they answer our tweet? Uh, No, they blocked us. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So he can give him that extra D6 of HP per long rest. We're going to plus one here. Yeah, you get that plus one. Hakeem is looking out for his team. I, I appreciate that. Hakeem the Dream is always looking out for his team. Moving into ability balance, I've got a strength of 17, oh so strong, dex of 12, con of 12, intelligence of 12, wisdom of 13, and a charisma of 10. Also proficient in acrobatics because sometimes I can spin, dunk, and flip, which is amazing for someone who's nine foot six. Performance, survival, and stealth because I'll block a shot while you think that you're razzle-dazzling me. Here's where things get a little dicey, though. Spell save DC of 11, spell attack bonus of a plus three. Mm. I'm thinking this is a plus two in NBA Jam, but I'll take a zero in D&D. Absolutely awful build. I went down the same road as you here. I, I really tried to stat out who Scott was. 
when it comes to D&D. So you get your zero. I've got a strength of eight, dex of 17, con of nine. I mean, he's just got this frail little body. Intelligence of 11, wisdom of 14, and a charisma of 15. So I'm really feeling this connection here with Scott. I actually, arguably, his charisma is a little bit high. I think we kind of addressed that. I got that acrobatics of five, proficiency in animal handling, proficiency in stealth, arcana, athletics. I mean, I think we kind of went down the same road here, so I would also take a zero very reasonably. Honesty's the best policy. Okay, moving right into the smooth operator scenario, which this week was provided by Charles Ferguson. Garen, why don't you go ahead and read that for us? You come upon a mob of villagers arguing with a group of mostly drow druids. There is a clutch of Tarasque eggs in a nearby cave, and the village believes it's dangerous to have them so close. But the druids believe they can raise these Tarasque babies to be peaceful. A fight is sure to break out. What do you do? So Scott has to pick a side here, right? I mean, you are agreeing with the villagers or the drow druids. So I would go with the villagers because my favorite enemy is a giant and a Tarasque is basically a giant monster. That's a stretch. So I got to side with them. So I step up to the group and I introduce myself. If they don't recognize me, I hand out copies of my best-selling autobiography scroll and briefly explain how I was raised by unicorns. I then tap into my Blessings of LaRue, which is my background feature, and I can call to the unicorn spirits to send a creature to come assist me when I need it. A local animal of the DM's choice. Dan, go ahead and be my DM. What animal shows up? Dolphin. A dolphin, of course. A dolphin flops its way into this village, and I speak briefly with the dolphin. And I inform the group that this dolphin is an expert on Tarasque. And he states that this argument so close to the cave is creating a hostile environment, and these Tarasque will surely be evil babies, and we must dispatch of these eggs. I am arguing a plus one. I like it. Very creative. Do you also inform them that the uh, dolphin is rapidly dying? I do. I do. I do it. Then I say I have to carry him back to water. And with my plus eight to strength, I weakly drag him across the gravel. <laughs> Pathetic imagery. Now, you will for sure get this plus one if you can tell me the title of the autobiography scroll that you hand them. Miles of Skiles. Pick up your copy at your local Barnes and Norwall. Now, I'm arguing a plus one as well. I would assure the leader of the villagers that everything would be okay and to show me where the eggs were and I would keep the drow in tow. I would then cast Entangle within the cave surrounding the eggs with rope-like vines and assure the townspeople that the barrier was permanent and that once hatched, the babies would not be able to break through for some time, allowing the drow to attempt to raise them to become good. This would be aided by my bi-popular demand feature of the entertainer background, which makes me somewhat likable to locals. Now, later that night, I would then work on gathering real vines and shrubbery to help secure the eggs because obviously my concentration has ended. So I would fashion up something similar with vines and shrubbery to look like what I had with the Entangle spell to better provide a true barrier for the city of Houston <laughs> from these Tarasque eggs. I'm already a plus one. Yes, this is very clever. You uh, you worked in a lot of features there. Uh, I de-escalated, little... and then I reinforced it with, you know, I, I'm sure that Hakeem Olajuwon could definitely fabricate up a nice little wall of shrubbery. Don't you? No, I, right. I would be surprised if Hakeem Olajuwon could not create a small bush. Or a small town. 
Now, moving into Spitting Fire, I'm arguing a plus two. So how he would handle this aggressively, I would ask to go and see the eggs. And once we arrive to the cave, I would whisper to Kenny the Jet Smith to shield his eyes. He knows what's up. I would then say, oh my god, guys, look! The eggs are hatching! And throw my gem of brightness right in the middle of the eggs to make them roll a con save to avoid being blinded. Now, if they fail, I take the eggs out of the cave with my ridiculous strength and destroy them with flaming fear. And that's all for the purpose of making a giant scrambled egg sandwich to support my 9-6 brain. Plus two. Get out of town. You made scrambled eggs? Scrambled egg sammies. Listen to this. I backflip over to the group with a plus five to my acrobatics, and I ask what the problem is. When they explain, I ask if I can check out the nest. I head inside, select the largest egg, and upon exiting, I launch it like a half-court fadeaway jumper right into the center of the mob. The drow are disgusted and outraged, and I calmly strut over, whip out my cook's utensils, and start scrambling those eggs up for the village. We both went to scrambled egg route. We both wow. made terrasse scrambled eggs, which is going to be in our cookbook when we release the Lab Notes cookbook. Also available at your local Barnes & Norwall. So I think that's plus twos all around for scrambled eggs. Absolutely. Moving into X-Factor, would you play Scott Skiles? In D&D, probably not. In NBA Jam, every single time, if I can get away with it. Which you always do. I, I like the rabbit folk race. I, I love the idea of the tiny creatures. ERF Jordan did a fantastic job with that. Raised by unicorns was so whimsical and beautiful. Uh, did I mention that that's another Brian Holmes background? Now I'm the one using this stuff. Uh, you know, otherwise this was just monk and ranger features, which I don't think even really blended that well. But I will say, <laughs> while I wasn't sold on the way of the four elements as a monk subclass, Fangs the Fire Snake is pretty fun. With the fire damage and the 10-foot range on your unarmed strikes, that would be pretty gnarly in a battle. Agreed. I'm not really sure what the imagery of that is, but it's it's pretty neat. You got fire snakes coming off your hands to smack them. You know, you you do a punch and it extends an extra five feet and blasts them. Still not sold on it, but you know, it's my least favorite monk archetype. I can just say that with certainty. Exactly. All right. How about you? Would you play Hakeem Olajuwon? Always have and always do play Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon in NBA Jam. And I see no way that this would be any different for me and Hakeem the Circle of Dreams Druid. I see no difference. <laughs> All right. No, in, in all seriousness, <laughs> a bugbear druid is an absolute disaster. It's a terrible build. Awful. It's, it's kind of a mess, and it did lose four to six to me. So a druid lost to a low-level monk slash ranger, so you really did not bring your A game this week. <laughs> no. It was, it was mixed with a barbarian, which I completely only threw in there to rage, which I thought was just implied. I, I totally forgot <laughs> to put it in my arguments, but Hakeem, Hakeem does not get limited to just two rages per long rest. Hakeem is raging on the court 24-7. So we hope you guys dug this episode. I know I did. Me too. Hey, I appreciate our time together. You know, it's all that matters. Oh, geez. They're probably still listening. Better wrap it up. All right, fine. Next week, we head below the surface for a journey into the Undermountain. Undermountain, the Lost Lore is a 37-page supplement from our Labby Award winner, Mika Watt, that provides new subclasses, backgrounds, magic items, and monsters as a supplement to the Dungeons of the Mad Mage Adventures from Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, so you got a week to convince your DM to start that campaign because after next week's episode, you will be ready for a specialized Waterdeep baby. Until then, remember, Lab Rats, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. 
It just has to be fun! We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of Fight Clubs, Monster Labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. Patrons in the next tier get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working Working on this show and the support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab, and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews, what to expect, and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. Until then. Remember, lab rats, when it comes to character creation. Oh, I forgot that I was supposed to say that. <laughs> the house that Kareem built. If you choose to be so foolish... You just call him Kareem? Was... <laughs> oh, God. You better take that back.